Thank you, John, and worship team and choir. This morning is a little bit different morning if you're our guest today. Uh, it's a little bit different than what we normally do on a Sunday morning, but this morning we're going to lay out to you all that we anticipate to be able to do in the next three years uh, through what we call, and changing the name, from Move Offering to Move Beyond Offering. And so we wanted to present to you not just facts and figures as to what we have been able to see God accomplish and the numbers of what's taken place, but more than anything, my heart and prayer has been as I've prepared for this morning to present this, that God would birth in us and reignite our vision that He has given to us uh, through these means so that we might accomplish the mission that God has called us to as a church. And that mission, to reiterate again, uh, is that we display God's grace to all people. How many of you know that when you came to know Jesus that it was definitely by His grace that you were saved? Can I see your hands? How many of us recognize that not only at that point of salvation, but even today, through all of your years and your time of knowing Christ, that it's been God's grace that has been exhibited to you on a day-to-day, minute-by-minute basis? Can I see your hands? And so our desire is that we love others as God has commanded us to love others. And the best way to love others is to take the same grace that God exhibits in our lives every single day. And we exhibit that grace to all people. Now, let me ask you a question. What does all mean? All, all people, regardless of their socioeconomic background, regardless of their gender or what they may profess as their gender. Listen, people know, need to know the love of Christ because God says that we love Him because He first what? He first loved us and He displayed His grace to us. And our desire is that we see people come to know Jesus that they be born again, and when they've been born again, we personally invest in their lives relationally, that we may make disciples of them so that they follow Jesus and obey His commands, and then they are equipped, they're prepared, they are ready then to go out and make disciples. I can't think of any other greater or more exciting mission in my life personally than that. Can you? You know, we've we stated that as our mission of a church, but I would like to say this. Uh, I would emphatically say that for those who are born again, as believers in Christ, number one, we know that God desires that we bring glory to Him through our lives, amen, in every way. But I believe scripturally by the Bible, it should be the mission of every single born-again believer to display God's grace to all people so that we might win them to Jesus, make disciples of them, and send them. So it's not just this uh, corporate kind of mission statement, but folks, that mission that Jesus gave in Matthew 28 is for every single individual here in this body as we assemble together. So may God move in our hearts that that might be become our mission. As I have looked back and prayed through this, I realize and recognize that in the year 2000, uh, God strategically put it on the heart of the leadership of this church to move from the downtown location there on Main Street 
to move to this 50-plus campus, 50-plus acre campus here, and construct the facility that we now have to use for His glory in ministry. At that time, that was a huge step. It came with a price tag of somewhere in the neighborhood of $13 million. Amazing amount. And as I look at it, God in His foreordained knowledge, His providence, He recognized and realized that by strategically moving this church from that location in downtown, that we are positioned now in an area that not only are we isolated in that Conyers sector, but it's enabled us to be a a place where from multi-county, in that sense, a regional church. And I look back and I say, God, thank you for the leadership that led this church here. And thank you for the support and the courage of those who were members at that time that saw the vision and followed to plant our church here in this area. If you were here during that time, can I see a, a hand recognition if you were here during that time? Thank God that you were obedient to the leading of the Lord. And then in the year 2015, uh, by uh, the pastor that the Lord brought here for just a short period of time, uh, Pastor Mark Marshall, I believe that in God's providence, God placed on the heart of that man for such a time as this, that he would lead this church in a direction that would relieve the church of the debt that at that time was $2.6 million of debt that we had on our facility. And God sovereignly used him and the leadership of this church to say, you know what, we desire to do more in missions because in our budget there is no area for missions outside of what we give to the cooperative program off the top. And so in order to fulfill what God has called this church to do, to be involved in missions, it was going to require that we relieve ourselves of the debt that we were in so that we might be more engaged in missions, not only locally, but around the world. And we started with a price tag in 2015 of $2.6 million in the MOVE offering, where at the time it was determined that 70% would go to debt relief and 30% would go to missions. The next year, 60-40. And then the last year of the MOVE offering, half of of all that was given in the move offering, by the way, which is above individuals' tithes and offerings. This is a free will giving and offering that was given. 50% went to debt relief and 50% went to missions. And over the years, we have seen what we've been able to invest in missions steadily increase. And we know that if we relieve this last $500,000, isn't that amazing what God has done? Can we just give him thanks for that? That when we are relieved of that last debt burden that we have on these facilities, that it will enable us to do even more emissions, not only here, but around the world. A couple of other numbers, and I don't want this to be about statistics, but if we look at our annual debt in 2015, what we were paying out in principal and interest every year was $300,000. Today, what we pay out at the current rate of $500,000 debt we are paying $140,000 a year in principal and interest. And that means that when that is relieved, we will have those funds so that we can do not only more emissions, there are some facility updates that have to be done. We have air conditioners that need to be replaced. You like being cool this morning? Amen? 
We're not in Africa, right? Amen. Glenn, Glenn would amen to that. So there's some of those things in this building now that's 18 years old. But uh, our, our annual goal that we have set uh, for through the missions committee that they've set that we are praying that God would meet through the generosity of his people would be to, that over the next three years we would have annual offerings of $600,000 a year in our move offering. And if you do the math, that's $1.8 million. Uh, over the next three years, and as we broke it down into giving family unit, that comes down to about $400 per family on our move offering weeks, which are June, uh, four months from then, July, August, September, October, so mark it on your calendar, and then the following February, three times a year, we're asking that you would pray and seek the Lord to see if you can meet that. And if you're not able to meet that, we understand, God, that is not a matrix that we've set that said that we're trying to bend anybody's uh, back or twist their arms. But between you and the Lord, as the Lord would have you participate in that, we would desire for you to give that so we can be debt free. Now, the reason for all of this is, again, so that we might fulfill the great commission that Jesus has given to the church. He told us in Matthew 28 that we're to go into all the world making what? Making disciples of all nations, all ethnos, all people, baptizing them and teaching them to obey the commands and then to go. And so we are following what Christ has commissioned us as a church to do. And we look at missions in this sense of our church. So often we think of missions, and the first thing that comes into our mind is missions over there, right? Well, I'm afraid that through the years we have gotten the idea that mission means over there. Biblically, that is not accurate. Listen, missions is evangelism and discipleship. So if you're involved in missions, that means that you're involved in sharing the gospel with others and then making disciples of them. And it's not an issue, it's not a matter of whether or not it's here or over there, but scripturally, missions is here and there. Amen? And so, Acts 1.8, uh, it's given that Jesus said that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. Now, can I pardon, can I take a segue here for a minute? Now, I'm going to preach a little bit this morning, if that's okay. Notice Jesus said, you'll receive the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And can I propose to you that I don't care what kind of program we create to do missions. If we are not empowered and enabled and led by the Holy Spirit, it is nothing more than human effort and it will be consumed by fire. We desire that the Holy Spirit of God would move in each of our hearts, that we would see life far beyond ourselves, our own comforts, our own desires, our own needs, so that others might come to know Christ. And if we're doing it by any other motivation, it is carnal and it's of the flesh and it does not glorify Christ. He said, you'll receive power and you will be my witnesses. We will testify of Him Christ, His death, His burial, and His resurrection in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so as we break down the areas that we're involved in missions, first of all, we look at our Jerusalem. 
And the Jerusalem that we are in predominantly here is in Rockdale County. And so what we desire to see happen through the move offering in our community is to continue some things that we have invested in in the last three years that line up with the mission statement. Let me just say this. We're only involved in ministries that share the same mission that we do. To win people to Jesus, make disciples of them, and send them for Jesus. So you can be comforted in knowing that as the missions team looks at these different other ministries, that they are lining up with the mission. They have a different vision in the way that they carry that out. But the mission is the same. And the first that we want to continue with is the organization of Phoenix Pass. During our move offering, we were able to contribute to them. The goal was $50,000 so that they could build another apartment complex wing. Uh, Phoenix Pass, many of you know uh, the director of Phoenix Pass, Jean Yance. She's a member of our church. And a couple of months ago, a few months ago, I went and spent half the day with Jean and the other staff. If I had allowed her, she'd have kept me there the whole day telling me all that they do. And it was exciting to see that it was not just a ministry that was a handout, but it was a ministry that was involved in giving a hand up to homeless women with children so that their lives might be impacted and changed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's a holistic approach that's taken. Gene, correct me if I'm wrong, which you would anyway. I didn't have to ask you for that. But to date, there are 17 families that are resident at Phoenix Pass. Is that correct? 15 mothers and 29 children that are residents there. And it is an intense program to make disciples of these uh, women and their children, not just so that they can make it through a tough time, but the goal is that the cycle that they have been in, they would be discipled through the principles of the Word of God so that that might be broken in their lives. This last week you saw the, the pictures of the Vacation Bible School that happened here. During the evenings of that week, our students went there every evening from 3 to 5, and they conducted a Vacation Bible School there with the children in that community. And I wish you could have gone. Uh, you know, I expected to go over and see the teenagers hanging out with each other, but no, there was a great ratio between them and the children. You would have been so proud of our students as they served those children there at Phoenix Pass. And so we are going to continue to uh, support and hopefully raise $50,000 for a specified project for Phoenix Pass. Can we just thank the Lord for Phoenix Pass? The next area that I want to share with you has been one that we began a journey in the year of 2016, where uh, meeting in the other building that we had down on Georgia 20, the, the uh, center there, there, was the Spanish congregation, Iglesia Batista Nueva. And we had sold that property, and part of that went to help relieve the debt, and part of it went towards our move offering. We had sold the property to the Newark Foundation for another church plant that was there in that. And so the Spanish congregation that was meeting there, we invited them to come onto our campus and have not only their services here, but become integrated in a vital family way with our body. 
And I want to say, I am so glad that they decided to come here. Can anybody say amen to that? It is so great to see Pastor Adrian and I have developed just a close relationship and fellowship. And if you haven't gotten to know Pastor Adrian yet, he's one that I would say you need to get to know. If you want to learn how to love other people, just watch Adrian. And their congregation has been meeting here in our gymnasium since 2016. Well, their congregation has begun to grow. And as we prayed about that, um, there are a number of things. And through my experience of language plant churches that I was involved in in southern Florida, about 12 of them that I was involved in, I learned through that experience that the most healthy language church plant that can take place is that when it is supported and there is a display of multi-ethnic, especially in a community that is changing demographically in multi-ethnic makeup. It's projected that the highest growth rate within a three-mile perimeter of our church in the coming years is going to be those who are of Spanish descent some 400 plus percent growth in our area. And as we look beyond and we ask the Lord, God, how do you want to use First Baptist Conyers so that we might reach that community? Because listen, God has planted this church here for this community. Amen. You see, God had, did not plant this church here 186 years ago just for a certain sector or populace of people that wanted to have things their way. God plants a church in an area for His kingdom because Jesus is the head of the church, and it's not up to us to dictate who we reach. Amen? You see, I've always said, if you want to reach a community, you just love people and reach people regardless of who they are. And so statistics will show that most Spanish congregations will fail within a very short period of time because... The, so, the economic base is just not there as it is in much of the other populace. And I'm tired of seeing Spanish plants in our area start and only die because the resources are not there for them to continue to reach the population that's in our community. And so we continue to pray, and as a missions committee, we prayed, and we sensed that the Lord uh, was moving uh, within the missions committee to make a proposal to the Spanish congregation that, listen, we love you, we want you to be a part of us, we want to have a long-term base of relationship with you, to collaborate with you, and not only that, if you go into our children's area and you go up to our student area, every one of their children are completely integrated, and the thought of having a church move away and rip those children from the relationships that many of you have poured into their lives as you're discipling them, I just can't see it. I just don't believe that that would be what God would have happen. And so we are looking to finish a space here in our facility. We have a mezzanine area uh, way up above. And be careful if you go in there because 186 years of junk is stored up there. <laughs> Y'all know this is a Southern Baptist church, right? But we've got that space there. And in cooperation with the Spanish congregation, their investment 
Uh, we're praying that the New Work Foundation, which we are a part of and contributing, will come alongside. We want to finish a permanent facility in that mezzanine, a worship center for the Spanish congregation so that they can settle in. In the last year, their, their attendance has steadily increased. They're averaging now 105 adults in worship every Sunday. In the last year, 20-plus have followed, made a profession of Christ, and have been baptized. And we don't want to see that work stop. He might say amen to that. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. So we're praying that God would provide for that. Lastly, in our Jerusalem, Rockdale County, we're going to continue in some of the areas that we have cooperated with other ministries that, that are doing things different than we are. I, you know, it's, for a long time, Southern Baptist churches, we thought we need to recreate the will. There's somebody else is doing it. Oh, no, we got to run around and do the same thing. But we found that we can be so much more effective if we find ministries in the area that line up with us doctrinally, that have the same mission and the same heart that we might be able to support, come alongside of. And it gives a place for you, our people, to be able to serve alongside in them and be more effective in the community. This last spring, we had annually what we have, uh, the special, uh, special needs prom. And we got a video that I want to show you real quick. Not only uh, or did it, is it a part of where we support regularly One Heart Ministry, it comes out of that, but well over 100 is my conservative estimate, in, uh, estimate of you that served in planning and implementing this special needs prom. So take a look at some of the pictures from this special needs night. Isn't that great? That's just one of the areas that we're involved in. We are planning this fall uh, with Pastor Adrian and I that we're going to do a combined Spanish-English community outreach. We have a portion of the MOVE offering that will be going for local outreach, and I think we've designated $45,000 uh, towards that over the next three years. Uh, we are uh, planning and going into one of the area apartment complexes to do a backyard Bible club type thing on the weekend that will reach uh, not only Spanish-speaking, we know that they're Spanish-speaking, there's some Creole-Haitian-speaking in the community, and, and English-speaking in that, that we're not just asking them to come here for a vacation Bible school, but collectively we're going to go into that community and engage the children and the parents as well so that we might display Christ's love to them 
and share the gospel with them. That's just one of many different things. The last, uh, the next area that we want to look at, not only is our Jerusalem, but our Judea. Uh, the Lord has enabled this church, I think, strategically in a time through a ministry called For Sarah. And many of you have heard Casey uh, McClure. She's come and share at different times the ministry of uh, For Sarah. But For Sarah is specifically designed so that women and young children who are caught up in the sex trafficking industry are rescued, delivered from that, and drawn out so that they might come to know Christ and be broken free from the sex trafficking industry. Whether you realize it or not, that is one of the largest economic industries in the state of Georgia. In 2014, it was estimated that $290 million in this metropolitan Atlanta area is spent in sex trafficking industry alone. $290 million. Can you imagine that? Most girls, young girls, that enter into a sex trafficking or prostitution or stripping are caught up between the ages of 14 and 16 years of age. They are taken when they are most vulnerable and sold oftentimes or enslaved into a sex trafficking industry. How many of you have daughters or have had daughters? Can you imagine your daughter being sold into a sex trafficking industry somewhere between the ages of 14 and 16? Most of these girls, or many of these girls, are runaway girls. And it's estimated that one out of six runaway girls, most of the time leaving situations, home lives that are horrific where they run away, one of six are brought into and sold in to the sex trafficking industry. One ministry that's involved in doing this, last year we were able uh, to give from the MOVE offering a $55,000 gift to For Sarah to go towards the purchase of a safe house, long-term safe house. So when these girls are brought out and they definitely want to make a change in their life, their Christ is shared with them and they live there in residence so that they might be discipled. And we're praying that this next, uh, through this next offering we might be able to contribute another $50,000 to them so that they can do that. I asked um, Casey... Casey, how many active women do you currently serve and minister to? She said on an ongoing basis, they have 81 women that they have been able to minister to and pull out of the sex trafficking industry and now are discipling them on a regular basis. Just this last year, 229, they have actively helped. And many of these girls find it difficult to break free. There's a young lady I want to introduce you to in the next picture and share her story. Her name is Courtney. Courtney writes this. She said, my name is Courtney. People who know me personally would say that I am kind, loving, and sometimes humorous. If you were to dine at the restaurant where I work, you would likely see a young woman who is full of smiles and enjoys working as part of a team. Few who have met me in this environment would ever imagine that I've survived sexual exploitation and trafficking. A difficult childhood contributed to my vulnerability to the sex industry. However, it wasn't until I was 19 years old that I met my first pimp. In the beginning, I was very resistant to the idea of becoming a prostitute. 
But out of fear and pressure, after a year, I was finally broken enough to begin working first as a prostitute and then as a stripper. My heartache, trauma, and stress that continuously fueled, fueled my environment in this industry was more than I could have ever imagined prior to experiencing it. By the time I was 23, I was a mother of three, an older daughter and two young twin girls. I worked tirelessly as an adult entertainer to provide for my family. My children mean the world to me. I am so happy that now our living situation has changed, one now that is safe and one that is permanent. Since I exited the sex industry, For Sarah has provided me with friendship, love, understanding, and support. I once reached out to For Sarah to ask for assistance in providing groceries for myself and my children, as well as gas money to get to work over the following week. In contrast to my experience in the sex industry, when I reached out to Forcera, I was not turned away or asked for anything in return. The selfless love and acceptance that I have received from Forcera has helped to restore the pieces of my heart in a relationship with Christ that have been broken as a result of a lifetime of neglect and abuse. Now, folks, this is just a sampling of some of the ministries that you're helping. Next, we move on from our uh, Samaria, from our uh, Judea to our Samaria area. In Samaria, we consider the whole of the North American continent, the United States. We're going to continue through the move offering to give to the International Mission Board. We've designated, uh, the missions team has designated 15% of everything that comes in. And if we reach our goal of that, $135,000 will be given to the Lottie Moon offering through the International Mission Board of Southern Baptist. Not only with the International Mission Board, but also through the North American Mission Board. They've set a percentage of 7.5% to be given to the North American Mission Board. And if the goals are met, it would be $67,500. We're going to continue to give to the New Work Foundation, which is a ministry and organization that helps church plants within the Stone Mountain Association, of which we're a part of. And so they'll be a continuing, ongoing partner. And then next, I shared with you a few weeks ago, Glenn Dyer and I had really kind of, uh, were kind of following a Macedonia call, that there was a pastor there in Kentucky that many of you know that we've worked with through Club 180, and we went up to visit him because he has a desire in that area in Cumberland, Kentucky, where it's very impoverished and very illiterate area, that he might be able to train pastors because Training of pastors is one of the greatest needs in that area. And so we're going to be cooperating with them to train pastors there in that area of the USA. And then finally, to the ends of the earth. Uh, John had mentioned earlier that we have 14 this week that are on a mission trip to Jamaica that we had just commissioned. And actually, uh, Vicki sent me a number. It's 16 that are actually in Jamaica right now. We're going to continue to work there among the deaf. And one of the great needs there in Jamaica, because power is so expensive, 
We want to come alongside of them and help facilitate and provide $50,000 primarily for solar energy so that they might have electricity in all the homes and the conference center that is there. This has been a partnership that has gone on now for I think this is the seventh year where we have a relationship with them there. And can I say this? Can I take a sidebar? I believe that everything in ministry, everything, according to Scripture, everything that we do in ministry is based on relationship. It goes all the way back to creation, where God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were in relationship with one another. Man was created in His image, and one of the first things that God does, He creates a helpmate for Adam, relationship. God so desired and had relationship, but that was broken by sin. And from that time forward, God has been revealing through Scripture and to this very day His means and plans to restoring that broken relationship that man has with God as a result of sin. He said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If it does not rest on relationship, then it is worthless. Amen? It's just a check. How heartless is just a check. Does that make sense? You see, relationship is at the basis of this. And so we want to look at doing not only that there in, in, in Jamaica, but one of the things I'm very excited about that we've already begun now is a Bible training center for pastors. Many of you know for the last 25 years or so I've been involved with an organization called Bible Training Center for Pastors. And our primary mission and goal with Bible Center Training for Pastors is to train the 300 million plus untrained pastors around the world. Wait a minute, Jamo, did you say that right? 300 million plus untrained pastors around the world. You see, in most parts of the world, there's not an opportunity for a pastor to get any informal training, let alone formal training. And if they're qualified to go off to formal training, what most of often has to happen, this pastor has to leave his area, his city, or his village to travel to another city so that he might receive seminary education. And in the meantime, what happens to the church and the people and the mission there where he was pastoring? And so we believe one of the most effective ways around the world where most will never have an opportunity for a formal education uh, due to restrictions of geographical uh, restrictions and financial restrictions is to go to where they are and teach them a 10-course curriculum that is over 520 hours of classroom instruction that is very practical where they can implement immediately so that they might be trained. It's estimated that 85% of the churches around the world are led and pastored by untrained pastors. Oftentimes you will find, even in Jamaica, where a pastor is there and he's not pastoring a church, but he has five churches on average that he is pastoring. Can you imagine? Now can I speak for a second? Pastoring's probably been the most difficult vocation I've ever engaged in in my life. It's not because the sheep are so difficult, but because it is a spiritual battle. 
And the pressures that are on a pastor, especially if they're trying to pastor five congregations, not only is the pastor going to suffer, but the people are going to suffer and the mission in that community are going to suffer. And so our desire is that we not only train pastors, but church leaders. It's estimated that 50,000 people come to Christ around the world every day. And if that's the case, and you can do the math, then that means that there is a need for 1,000 new pastors every day to pastor those people who make up those churches around the world. Listen, the task is great. But we believe that God has called us to be a part of that. We've begun there in Liberia where we're training 25 pastors. It's our desire that we be able to go there in Jamaica where we have been working for seven years. There's a great need in that Mandeville area. We're doing diligent, uh, due diligence now to begin to implement a Bible training center there in Jamaica. Also in Nicaragua where we've been involved for a number of years. We're going to be going down, Lord willing, if conditions change in, in November or so for an exploratory trip so that we can see the need of pastors that are there in Nicaragua. And again, these are ministries that we've been involved with for years and other areas of missions, but we feel that the Lord is going to use us to help equip those there. Let me move on. Uh, We've spoken of Nicaragua. You need to be in prayer for Nicaragua. Uh, Ortega, who was there in the 80s, is back in power. And many people are dying daily in the nation of Nicaragua. I was just speaking with someone on Saturday. And that every foreign missionary, particular Western missionaries that, are, that were in Nicaragua, have now been flighted out of Nicaragua because the situation is so dangerous there in Nicaragua. We need to be in prayer for the ongoing ministry of not only Bible training for pastors, but also building homes and constructing that there in Nicaragua. So be praying for that. Now here are the three-year allocations that I want to share with you briefly. Uh, just kind of bullet points. Number one, we have debt retirement of $500,000 that we're looking to retire through the move beyond offering. A Lottie Moon offering to the International Mission Board of $135,000. Annie Armstrong with the North American Mission Board, $67,500. We also want to continue to assist 200 people from our church in going on mission to these different areas. This year alone, we estimate there'll be six that'll be in Liberia this year. Uh, Jamaica, we have 16 now. In just a couple of weeks, we have 45 students and their, uh, their chaperones that'll be going to New Orleans uh, next month there on mission. We have a team of nine that will be leaving for England in July uh, to do mission there. We have seven, uh, Butch, I believe that's right, seven that are going uh, with Butch and Debbie, Pastor Butch, uh, to Alaska. And then Nicaragua, we're just not sure of yet. But those are the mission trips. My prayer is that we would double that in the coming year. That God would open up more opportunities as we go to do mission as a church, not only locally, but in other places. Uh, Jamaica Center for the Deaf Conference, $50,000. Phoenix Pass, $50,000. Fort Sarah, $50,000. Mission Partners, which I'll show you in just a minute, those that we currently partner with, $232,200. We're also desiring through BTCP that uh, the expense looks like about $100,000 in those locations over the next three years to train national pastors. 
And then another thing that was really on the heart of the missions committee was that we provide through the move beyond offering funds that would be available for scholarship for young men, young men, young women, old men, old women who have a call in their life and they are going for seminary or Bible college training that we can invest in their lives for that. Listen, seminary is not cheap today. Amen? David and David, seminary is not cheap. Uh, we have one of our own, Patrick Sanders now, who I believe is at Southern Seminary, if I'm not mistaken, or Southeastern. Uh, we have another young man who's at Dallas Theological Seminary. These are young men that grew up in our church through our student ministry, and we want to be able to help them meet the needs that they have so that they might get seminary training. And then lastly, community outreach, that we want to continue to have funds available for that. Here are a list of our current mission partners. International Mission Board, North American Mission Board, African Missionary Foundation, that is Liberia, Caribbean Center for the Deaf, that's Jamaica, Forcera, Nicaragua, Iglesia Batista, that's a Spanish congregation that we support on a monthly basis here, One Heart Ministries, Phoenix Pass, United Hope for Children, New Work Foundation, and Ryan and Amy Forgay, who are with Crew, and one that was left off, uh, I don't know how we missed it, but Life Abundant Church here in our own community that we continue to support on a monthly basis. Folks, our desire is that we would see this list grow. Not so, not so that we can brag and boast and say, look how many missionaries or organizations we are supporting. But it's our desire that God would just absolutely deplete us. Did you hear me? For His purposes and His kingdom. Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want to get to the end of my life and say I didn't do it all. When Paul was writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy, he told Timothy, he said, Timothy, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. That word that's translated fight in the English is from the Greek word agonia. The Greek word agonia means to expend all of your energy so that there's absolutely nothing left. It was a word that was used for those that would be competing in the Greek games for their preparation. As they were going into preparation and dedicating their whole lives for just a few minutes on the field of battle or game, if you will, that they said agonia. In other words, when I go out there to compete, I am going to expend every bit of me, even if I win or lose, I'm not coming off the field with anything less. May we be able to say with Paul, I fought the good fight, I have finished the race. For the only thing in all of eternity that will matter, and that is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now I want to encourage you. I want to ask you to ask God, Lord, how would you have me and my family participate? Boy, it is not my desire that you would participate out of feeling pressure. It's not my desire that you would want to participate out of feeling as though your arm has been twisted. That's of the flesh, and I would say it's demonic if I would encourage you that way. But that you would be led to participate as the Holy Spirit has led you in your own heart. How can you be 
participating in this. Number one, I'd say this, to be on mission yourself. While it's good to give to missions, it's kind of hypocritical for me to promote being involved in missions without having personal involvement in winning, discipling, and sending. So I'd say that's the first place. Participate in your own involvement. Number two, pray that as we step out in faith on mission as a church body, that God would continue to give us direction and provision for that. And then lastly, give towards mission. And we're asking you to give, not from your regular tithes, but this would be above an offering, above and beyond what you'd normally give. But give with a cheerful heart. And last thing I would say to families, this is one of the effective things that we found in our family as our kids were growing up and now with our grandkids, is that we involve the whole family in giving. Listen, there's no better way to raise up the next generation than to involve them along with you your children and your grandchildren, to be a part of going on mission with you and to be a part of giving in mission with you. We're going to close the service this morning with our offering as we typically do during a move offering time with some time of contemplation and prayer as John comes to prepare to lead us in this closing song.